0: Please remain standing as you're able. They asked Jesus what the great commandment was. In other words, how do you sum up all of uh, the faith that we're trying to practice? And he gave them the Shema and added uh, Leviticus 19:18, love your neighbor. So following after Jesus, I invite you to follow after me. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Chad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, And love your neighbor as yourself. Scripture this morning comes from among the last things that Jesus shared with the disciples. This is Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning in verse 19. Now, therefore, go into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the commands that I've given you. And I will be with you always, even the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Okay, so don't stop me if you've heard this before, because you have. Two thousand years ago, Jesus, Peter and Paul were all crucified at the hands of the Romans. And yet in this day, the Roman Empire is no longer around and the movement for which Jesus, Peter, and Paul died continues to grow around the world to more than two billion. So it raises obviously the question, what happened? Well, part of the answer is, of course, the power of God, the plan of God, the working and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's a big part of the answer. But we've learned as we've explored Jesus' own faith and the roots of our Judeo-Christian faith to know that God oftentimes does things simply by God's power. But oftentimes God chooses to partner with people to bring into existence those things God wants to do. And in this case, that's exactly what happened. God partnered with Jesus and Peter and Paul and those who followed to keep this movement alive and to grow this movement by having them make disciples. And whereas uh many of the Roman emperors like unlike I mean completely like King Herod who ruled for a while in uh, Israel tried to knock off potential rivals and tried to keep anybody from being king of the mountain with them, Jesus and Peter and Paul were about trying to bring people To the top of the mountain with them and they were busy bringing up their successors those who would carry on their mission and their movement they were busy making disciples so here we are 2000 years later in in North America and I have to tell you while the church worldwide continues to grow uh, things are not so great here. In, uh, in North America, the statistics um, are not particularly wonderful. We are at a, about a 125-year low in terms of number of folks that come and worship God in a, a church or a synagogue on on a weekend. We are um, seeing uh, like less than one in five people in America that participate in worship. On a given Sunday, we see teens even at a lower rate than that, somewhat under 10%. In fact, the most recent projections are of people who are teenagers in uh, today only about a four out of a hundred of them at the current rate. Four out of a hundred will be actively practicing their faith as adults. And then when it comes to volunteerism across our churches in America, that's down. Charitable giving, while it remains pretty stable uh, nationwide, the percentage of uh, charitable funds that are raised by churches uh, continues to drop as a percentage of all charitable giving. The signs in America are not particularly wonderful. And it leads us to wonder if in 2,000 years, will the church as we know it here in America, if Jesus doesn't return before then, Will it still be here? It is a trite saying, but I think it is nonetheless true that the, the faith is always about one generation away from extinction. If nobody carries on behind us the faith, then the faith is no longer here. Now, I personally believe that the church will be here in 2,000 years. But I also know we could certainly greatly enhance uh, that possibility if we would simply do the one thing that Jesus asked us to do. Which is to make disciples of him. Now let me quickly remind you what a disciple is. Um, In the words of Ray Vanderland, a disciple is a person who is passionately committed to being just like their master. And the master in our case is Jesus. So it's a person who's consuming desire in their life. Is to be like Jesus. Dallas Willard puts it this way. That a disciple of Jesus is a person who does uh, in his body what Jesus would do on earth if Jesus were in our body. If Jesus was living where I live. Uh, in my house. Had my hands. My feet. My mouth. What would he do? And if I do what he would do. Then I become like Christ. And I am um, a disciple. Uh, the one of the disciples who knew Jesus best is John. He put it this way in his letter to John. He said, anybody who claims to live in Jesus, he said, must walk as he walked. So it's not so much a matter of having the right beliefs or having the right stuff in our head to being disciples, being able to do the very things That our master would do. And the way you would do that is you not only follow and watch Jesus, but you follow and watch people who are following and watching Jesus. And so there's a line that goes from Jesus to the disciples to their disciples and continues on to us today. And the main job of the church has always been to raise up the next generation of people to walk in. In, uh, in the faith and to be uh, just like Jesus and be able to do what he would do if he were in their body. Well... That's not just started with Jesus. That actually goes back further. That's always been the plan of God. If you look through the Old Testament, you see Moses bringing Joshua on board. you see King David bringing Solomon on board. You see the prophet Elijah bringing the next great prophet, Elisha, on board. And and they were always working on the generation next under them and bringing them uh, along. And in fact, Jesus did the same thing. Jesus had, according to the Gospel of Luke, 12 men that followed him around pretty closely and seven women uh time with them. And then he had a kind of another outside uh, circle, just outside that of 70 people that he trained to send out on his behalf. He was always about training and mentoring and coaching the people under him. He was always about making disciples. Well, I have to tell you that I've been a pastor for 35 years and for 35 years I've been telling Jesus, I think I got a better way to do this. I, I think we could do it differently. And so I've tried a number of things over 35 years. I've tried building buildings and trying to get people to come and fill those buildings. Tried preaching sermons. Tried going to conferences. Tried leading conferences. Tried going to seminars. Tried leading seminars. I've even tried writing a book. I've done everything. But the one thing that Jesus called us to do, which was to personally invest in people and make Disciples, Eugene Peterson, I think, hits it right on the head. He shared several years ago that the problem in the church, or one of the big problems, is we try to do Jesus ends, but we want to use our own means. We want to use our own methods. We want to cut corners. We want to say, Jesus, have you ever thought we could do it this way? And we do everything but the one thing that he gave his very life for, which is the people that he lived with and the people that he was influencing life on life. Jesus gave his very life for disciples, and that's the way he intended that we would carry it on. And sermons and books and social media and buildings, those are all wonderful things in service of the one thing that Jesus gave his life for, which was to make disciples. Now... The beautiful thing about this for me is that is actually a part of the genius of uh, what we call Methodism. If you go back in Methodist history, our founder was a guy named John Wesley who lived in 18th century England. And uh, Wesley was not the greatest preacher. In fact, in, in many ways, he was, he was pretty dry and, and preached sermons that were very long with very many points and, and sub points. But as the Holy Spirit worked and people became interested and then committed in Christ... Wesley put them with other people who would disciple them, who would grow them, who would hold them accountable and support them at the same time. In fact, of the first hundred thousand people that were Methodist, 10,000 of them, one out of every 10 was a leader. George Whitfield was probably the most famous preacher of the 18th century. In fact, you may have heard the story that when Whitfield would come to the United States, people would flock to hear him preach. And when he'd preach in a church, Benjamin Franklin said, I would give twice as much money on a Sunday when he preaches. Whitfield was great. But toward the end of his life, Whitfield sat on his deathbed. You know, Mr. Wesley was so much wiser than I because he took these people. And he put them with other people who would disciple them and lead them. And Whitfield just preached for them with um, to them and went left and on to another town. That's a little bit like the Apostle Paul did. If you look at the book of Acts, for the early part of Paul's ministry, it's like a lecture circuit. And he goes to one town in the synagogue and, or maybe moves over to a lecture hall. And, and in all these places, he preaches the gospel and, and people make commitments and then he moves on to the next town. But if you look later in Paul's life, he starts to stay longer, and he spends almost two years in Corinth, and he spends three years in Ephesus, and he starts to do it the way Jesus did it. It's almost as if Paul said, well, let me try this Roman way. Let me see how many people I can hit with scattershot, and then the more I can hit, the better it's going to be. And then after a few years of that, he said, well, now, how did my rabbi do it? Oh, yeah. He started spending time with people. Life on life. And so we, Paul raises up people like Silas and Timothy who keep the chain of the faith unbroken as it comes to us today. Jesus' mission was clearly to partner with God to help make earth more like heaven. But the method was this. It wasn't just through social activism and better programs or education or uh, any of that, which are wonderful things. His method was quite simply raise up disciples Pour into the people behind you, follow the people in front of you, and pour into the people behind you. Rabbi Akiba, who came along a little bit after Jesus, put it this way, that no one should ever live without a rabbi. In other words, we ought to look to someone who's looking to Jesus, and so we can follow in their footsteps. And then he said, no one should live without a rabbi, and no one should die without a disciple. We shouldn't leave this place without having left behind people who are walking in our footsteps as we walk in the footsteps of those in front of us who are walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And that was his plan. And I'm pretty sure his plan hadn't changed in 2000 years. In fact, I'm certain of it. The one thing he's asked us to do is make disciples And so as we come into 2015, one of the things I want to share with you is after 35 years of trying other stuff, I decided, well, maybe we'll try that this year. This will be novel. Let, let's do what he said. And so there will be a number of opportunities that will come upon uh, this year. In fact, Donna will mention one before the benediction this morning. There will be some others during Lent. And then we're going to have uh, a church-wide opportunity to stick our toes in the water of discipleship uh, that will that'll come this fall. And it's so significant that it's going to take us that long to get it ready uh, for you to participate in and get the most out of. And we're going to spend this year, and I really hope, the rest of our years, trying to walk as Jesus walked and then have people behind us walk in our footsteps as well. I've seen a lot over the years. I've tried a lot over the years, and I firmly believe this, that the smartest man who ever lived was Jesus. And Jesus only asked us to do one thing before he left. So I figured this year we might as well try it. We're going to spend the year making disciples.